It's time to eat. Get in my belly. Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Joe Dolan. On the Fantasy Feast Eaten Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby. It is the Fantasy Feast Eaten Podcast, and it's presented by BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. If you're looking for a place to make your online wagers, just use the promo code PODCAST1 to get a 50% sign-up bonus today. He is Joe Dolan the number one rated fantasy analyst in the galaxy over the last five years. He has done an unbelievable job on this show this year, and he is here to help you either finish strong and win your league if you're in the playoffs or help you win a little cashola playing DFS. Check him out on Twitter at FG underscore Dolan. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years, at Ross Tucker NFL, Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. All of the podcasts can be found, of course, over at RossTucker.com, or you can follow our official Twitter handle on Instagram as well, at RTF Podcast. Joe, let's start with the New York Jets. I think Le'Veon Bell, we believe, recording this 2.30 p.m. Eastern on Tuesday, is going to play football instead of bowl on Thursday night as the Jets take on the Baltimore Ravens. Well, uh, I think, Ross, uh, when the Jets signed Le'Veon Bell, they did have the uh, the the uh, idea that they were going to go bowling this year. Um, I don't think that was the bowl they had in mind, And if you will allow me to get an, an incredibly <laughs> stupid joke out of the way first. Um, this is a really bad matchup across the board for the Jets. Uh, Sam Darnold was all right last week in a pretty good matchup. Um, but he's got the Ravens and the Steelers the next two weeks. I do not like Sam Darnold in this one. Robbie Anderson's been kind of hot. Uh, his, he's been the leading receiver over the last couple of weeks. 17 fantasy points and 85-plus yards in three straight games. However, the Ravens just shut down John Brown. Jamison Crowder has just seven catches over his last three games, and he'll probably get Marlon Humphrey out of the slot this week. Ryan Griffin um, has an ankle injury. Um, uh, it with him unlikely to play, maybe Jamison Crowder gets a few more targets. However, this is a team with the exception of Le'Veon Bell. I really am completely bailing from this week. At week 15, we have to narrow our fantasy tree. And the Jets are a team with the exception of Bell, who's a low-end RB2. I am completely ignoring this week. Okay. What about on the other side, the Baltimore Ravens? Uh, all, all systems go for the Baltimore Ravens. We mention this every week. They're kind of a narrow fantasy team. You play Lamar Jackson every week. You play Mark Ingram every week. The one thing I will say, Hollywood Brown has negative receiving yards on four catches over the last two games. Um, they are not getting him downfield shots at all. However, the Jets are a defense that he can exploit. So I think this is a bounce-back spot for Hollywood Brown. I wouldn't mind playing him. Um, well, obviously, it's the one game or the Thursday to Monday DFS slate. But I wouldn't mind playing him on that slate because I really like this matchup for him. And the other thing we need to point out, 
if you've been rolling with Mark Andrews at the tight end position, he is unlikely to play in this game. He apparently has a deep bruise uh, between his thigh and his knee. Um, it doesn't fe seem like it's a serious injury, but I bet it hurts like hell, uh, which is why I doubt he's going to be able to go on the short week. As we saw last week, though, if you are desperate for a tight end, I don't think you can do – uh, I mean, I think you can do a whole lot worse than just picking up Hayden Hurst and plugging him into the Mark Andrews spot. I think for one or, one or two weeks, Hayden Hurst, who was actually drafted ahead of Mark Andrews, can probably do a reasonable Mark Andrews facsimile, and he can get you a similar production. We saw him with the 61-yard touchdown last week against Buffalo. Hayden Hurst would be a guy that I think you can pick up and start him this week if you really need a tight end, especially if you, if you lost Mark Andrews. Patriots Bengals Sunday one o'clock Patriots basically can only move the football Joe through trick plays and uh, they worked against the Eagles it worked uh, uh, a couple of weeks ago worked last week but it's really a, a, an abomination and Ross maybe that's why they were trying to get an advantage because you know in order to beat a one in 12 team you got to make sure you film their sidelines uh, we'll see what comes of that. But this is a this is really bad for the Patriots. Sony Michelle is droppable right now. Uh, five carries for eight yards last week. He is a worse version of Ronald Jones for fantasy. You essentially are guessing if he's going to score a touchdown. That's not the way to get it done. Uh, for the Patriots, the two guys I feel good about are Julian Edelman, who you play every week. Um, he has 13 or more fantasy points in nine straight games. Uh, Jarvis Landry didn't have a huge game last week out of the slot against Cincinnati, but Edelman gets it done every week. I feel pretty good about James White. He has double-digit fantasy points in 10 of his 12 games. It's not a great game script for James White. But uh, I, I don't care about that. I can't even rely on game script when it comes to Sony Michelle. No way am I playing Sony Michelle with my season on the line. The only three Patriots to consider are Julian Edelman, James White, and you could stream Tom Brady this week. But that's what Tom Brady is right now. He is a streamable quarterback. This is a team that has a major, major uh, uh, offensive deficiency. And keep in mind, the Bengals really just shut down Baker Mayfield. Cost me a quarterfinal matchup in one of my leagues. It is unbelievable to me that that's where we are with the Patriots. I don't know what happened to Sony Michelle. Um, it's it's crazy. What about the Bengals on the other side? Joe Mixon had a day. Uh, Joe Mixon, I've been saying that on the podcast the last couple of weeks, I'm going to get so much Joe Mixon in the second and third rounds next year because he's really uh, – to borrow once again from Tupac Shakur, the rose that grew from concrete here. He manages to take this situation and and uh, despite what's around him, man, has managed to elevate his game. He's been a legitimate league winner over the last few weeks. And it looked like early in the season that the situation was just going to completely bog him down. Over the last five weeks, there is one running back who has more touches than Joe Mixon. That's Christian McCaffrey. That's it. He is the only running back over the last five weeks with more touches. Um, and the Andy Dalton has given this offense a little bit of life. Auden Tate is out for the rest of the season. Uh, but John Ross, he's 
going to go out and play probably more than the 49% of the snaps he played last week. Tyler Boyd, um, unfortunately, gets the really tough matchup. Is it going to be J.C. Jackson? Is it going to be uh, Stephon Gilmore on Tyler Boyd? Um, I, I I think Boyd is a wide receiver three. Unfortunately, even though I, I'm excited to see John Ross, I don't think you can play him here given the Patriots' uh, unbelievable perimeter defenders, and certainly not Andy Dalton. So really in this game, we have three guys for the Patriots I'm willing to consider, and really just two guys for the Bengals, that being Joe Mixon and Tyler Boyd. Joe Mixon is a lock for your lineup. Tyler Boyd, probably uh, is one of your three best receivers, but if he's not a slam dunk, I wouldn't be shocked if you find yourself benching him this week. Is Dalton a streamer? Not against the Patriots, I'm not guessing. Not against the Patriots, no. I mean, he's he's kind of raised the ceiling and the floor of this offense, but I, I don't trust him against the Patriots, no. Bucks lions talk to me about the Jameis Coaster. Well, Jameis Coaster now uh, has uh, a little bit of the bend in the tracks because he's dealing with that thumb injury. And it's apparently it's a weird injury that isn't really going to affect – even though it's on his throwing hand, it's not going to affect him throwing the football too much. But he's got a, a throwing hand, broken thumb, thumb sprain, something going on there. But last week, you saw the ultimate Jameis Winston performance. He is the only quarterback in fantasy football – who I would start on my team while also starting a defense against him. He throws for 450 yards and four touchdowns, but also throws three interceptions, including a pick six. If you started both Jameis and the Colts defense last week, you were happy with it. He is the only quarterback in fantasy football you can do that with. It's incredible. Um, unfortunately, though, his ceiling is significantly lowered with the loss of Mike Evans, who came up lame on his 61-yard touchdown last week uh, against Indianapolis, and he's going to be out for the season most likely. So the Bucks now are going to be operating with Chris Godwin. Um, you're going to have Rashad Perriman on the outside. Youngster by the name of Justin Watson got a touchdown. Uh, a guy who had been getting a lot more snaps uh, before he had a hamstring injury was a Scotty Miller, the rookie out of Bowling Green, who many compared to Andy Isabella coming out um, because he has very similar uh, uh, athletic traits. So maybe he's somebody to look at. Um, Brashad Perriman, I consider kind of a low-end wide receiver three here because I don't necessarily trust him. Uh, Chris Godman, you just have to presume he's going to be peppered with targets, whether he's playing out of the slot or outside. If he's playing outside, I expect he'll get the Darius Slay treatment. I think the Bucks will move him inside to avoid Darius Slay. So I think Chris Godwin is a block for double-digit targets in this game. Here's what's interesting. I wonder if O.J. Howard actually is a beneficiary of the Mike Evans injury because he's played 83% of the snaps uh, of the last two weeks. It's really been his best two-game stretch. Um, his target share is not high. I wonder if that goes up without Mike Evans. So I'm looking at Jameis as a low-end quarterback one here because no Evans really hurts. I'm looking at Chris Godwin as a slam-dunk wide receiver one. I think you can stream O.J. Howard at tight end. He's also a DFS option. Rashad Perriman, a wide receiver four flex in a deeper league. I really want to see how they use him uh, before anything. And uh, to be completely honest, I utterly hate this backfield. I do not like uh, taking a shot on Ronald Jones, but he is the only one you can try here, and you hope he scores a touchdown. On the other side, the Lions, the David Blau-led Lions. Uh, it's ugly. Uh, the only two Detroit Lions I can consider right now are Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones. And you hope they get in the end zone as Galladay did last week in utter garbage time. The Lions were shut out for most of that game. They're the only two guys you can consider. 
Uh, TJ Hawkinson's on IR. Danny Amendola has been a ghost. The run game has been okay. Bo Scarborough got dinged up, though, and the Bucks' run defense has been phenomenal this year. Marlon Mack scored a touchdown last week and still didn't reach 10 fantasy points. So it's really a tough spot for anybody, anybody on the Lions, frankly. But I, I, I do expect that Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones will be able to get open against this secondary. I like both of them as wide receiver threes only because I don't trust their quarterback. You can take a shot on them in a DFS tournament as well. Those are the only two guys worth considering. The one thing you do have to point out with Detroit, Carrion Johnson is eligible to come off of IR in week 16. I have a hard time imagining a, a team that's playing for a championship in week 16 that is going to start uh, on Johnson if the Lions even activate him. But uh, it would be a mistake if I didn't mention that. So Bo Scarborough, uh, his days of relevance, I believe, are over because I hate this matchup for him. Uh, he got dinged up, um, and on Johnson is eligible to come off of IR next week. All right. What about um, Texans-Titans? Start with the Texans, Joe. What a no-show by Houston last week. I mean, for the love of God. I mean, the defense was atrocious. Deshaun Watson was atrocious for uh, for a number of quarters. At least he came through for fantasy because he threw a touchdown pass and ran for two, but it was not a good game. How about this stat? And you... You know, this is why we talk about the importance of supporting cast for quarterbacks. I don't care if it's a bad quarterback, um, you know, playing a few games because the starter's injured. I don't care if it's a quarterback who's viewed as elite or, or at least is viewed as very good or like a guy like Patrick Mahomes or Deshaun Watson or Carson Wentz. This is why supporting cast is so important because sometimes guys can't do it all by themselves. In four games without Will Fuller this year, Deshaun Watson is averaging just 6.4 yards per attempt. In uh, the games that Will Fuller has played, he's averaging 8.6 yards per attempt. So Will Fuller has played nine games. Deshaun Watson has 18 touchdowns in those games. In the four games without him, he has just six touchdown passes. So Will Fuller is the key to unlocking this offense. He just he commands extra attention. He makes it look like the Texans are playing on a bigger football field. Every you, you, Ross, you were at the Eagles Giants game last night. Everything that the Eagles do looks restricted because they don't have any speed. The Texans, even though they have Kenny Stills and DeAndre Hopkins, it's similar when Will Fuller isn't out there because he just he's just a different cat and somebody that Deshaun Watson trusts. So Deshaun Watson, um, a lot of his fantasy potential in this game hinges on the availability of Will Fuller. And as we saw last week, a tough defense like Denver was able to really take advantage of that. Unfortunately for Deshaun, he's facing another tough defense this week against Tennessee. Not a spectacular matchup for him by any stretch of the imagination. So keep an eye on on Will Fuller's status, it's very, very important to what Deshaun's going to do in this game. Uh, it is actually his first game this year against the Titans. They have not played yet this year. So uh, we don't even have that to look back at. So I think Deshaun, probably you can consider him as a top five quarterback if, if Will Fuller plays. More on the lower end if he doesn't play as those numbers bear out. Hmm. All right. Um, on the other side, the Titans offense has been absolutely – Red hot. It's unbelievable. You know, Tannehill deserves a lot of credit. I think so does Arthur Smith, their offensive coordinator. Nobody talks about him for some reason. What do you think about this game? Well, this is a good matchup because, I mean, look, the Houston Texans just got shredded by Drew Locke. And they got shredded by Drew Locke 
at home. Okay, I mean that's really, really bad news for uh, for Houston. Um, the good news about the Titans, we love them. There's three guys you can consider. Derrick Henry's in your lineup each and every week. We don't have to talk about him. He's been he, he, uh, last four games. He's averaging seven yards per carry. That's college numbers. Okay, uh, I, I mean that's that that's ridiculous. So you know he's in there. I think Tannehill's in there. The the only quarterback ahead of. This is unbelievable. The only quarterback ahead of Ryan Tannehill since Ryan Tannehill's first start in week seven is Lamar Jackson. That's it. Ryan Tannehill's been the second best fantasy quarterback. He's averaging 9.8 yards per attempt. Look, it's been an extremely efficient passing offense. Tannehill can run, but he doesn't. He obviously can't run like Lamar Jackson can, and that helps raise his floor a little bit. At some point, you feel like this this efficiency attack is going to slow down for Tennessee. However, I don't see it happening this week against Houston. I just don't see it happening. Ryan Tannehill's passer rating has been over 100 in six of his seven starts. It's ridiculous what he's doing right now. I am starting Ryan Tannehill. I am starting Derrick Henry. And as I said last week, I made a mistake. I said I thought the Titans receivers were empty depth. I still don't necessarily trust A.J. Brown, but his upside is too high to to drop him to the waiver wire. He is a high upside, low floor wide receiver three. Corey Davis you can drop. I'm totally confident saying that. If he scores, it's a fluke. But that's about it right now for the Titans. But those three guys, especially Tannehill and Henry, are league-winning type of fantasy assets. And I love Tannehill's matchup this week against Houston. Joe, let's talk about Drew Lock and the Denver Broncos. Drew Locke's got an arm on him, doesn't he? I yes, mean, he, he can does. Fire the ball. Uh, did Did you watch that game? Yes, yeah, so I was watching Red Zone. So yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, Denver's going to have a predicament here because Drew Locke is going to if if he continues to look anything like he looked in that game, and I'm not expecting him to go to throw five incompletions and throw for 300 yards every week, but they should give him a shot to be the starting quarterback heading into next year. I mean, five touchdowns and two interceptions on just 55 pass attempts. I mean, the the touchdown the touchdown rate is 9.1% right now. That's significant. That's huge. If uh, I mean, that's league-leading type of numbers if Drew Locke could qualify for the passing title. Uh, you would expect the, the uh, efficiency to go down, but Kansas City, they're going to need to score – um, I do ex- expect Steve Spagnolo to bring a lot of blitzes. He was very comfortable blitzing Tom Brady last week, so I would expect Spagnolo to bring a lot of blitzes uh, against Drew Locke. But, I mean, if you are dying at quarterback, I don't trust him, but I do think he's streamable in this spot. That being said, I also think Kansas City's defense against a rookie quarterback with that gunslinger's mentality – I wouldn't be surprised if there's a pick six thrown in this game. So I kind of look at it both ways. Cortland Sutton is in my lineup. Um, the one thing that would significantly lower both the floor and the ceiling for Drew Locke is if Noah Fant, who got banged up in the uh, at, at the end of the, the game last week, it can't play because this guy, Ross, he looks special to me. Um, he uh, he was one of my most drafted best ball tight ends, and he has really paid off here over the last month plus coming up with some of those huge games. Uh, I point out, his 48-yard reception against the Texans last week, it was a, an out pattern that Drew Locke put on the money. But Noah Fant realized while gathering that out pattern that the Texans had completely blown the coverage. There was nobody near him. So nobody for a rookie receiver, 
I don't think anybody would have freaked out if Noah Fant took the 15-yard completion that the out pattern was supposed to be, went out of bounds, they moved the chains, and lived to fight another day. Instead, he catches the ball, realizes what had happened with the Texans blowing the coverage, regathers himself, stops his feet, turns up field, and picks up another 30 yards. It was a really mature play by a super good athlete, many of whom thought was a raw prospect coming out of Iowa because he just wasn't used as much as, as some of the other prospects in the draft class. He's he's looking like a guy who's going to be going in the single-digit rounds next year for fantasy, but without him, it would be a big loss for Drew Locke in Denver, and I probably would shy away from streaming Drew Locke if Noah Fant doesn't play. On the other side, you've got the Kansas City Chiefs, who offensively haven't been as dynamic as they were before, Joe. No, and this is why we say every year, um, when a guy has a record-setting MVP performance, uh, cynic, uh, maybe maybe it's being cynical, it's just being realistic, you take the under. Now, Patrick Mahomes has always had a loose element to his game. This year, it just seems to be biting him in the butt a little bit more. Their offense just doesn't seem to be as well-oiled a machine, and I wonder how much that has to do with the loss of Kareem Hunt and the loss of Damian Williams, because those two guys just were so effective in the passing game, and they are just struggling to get that I'll I'll give you a perfect example of how the Chiefs don't trust LaShawn McCoy right now or Darwin Thompson for that matter Damian Williams obviously Daryl Williams both injured they signed Spencer Ware off the street the dude was eating cream puffs on his couch last week and he led the Chiefs backfield in snaps in week in week 14 against Patriots that tells you how little the Kansas City Chiefs trust uh, uh, LaShawn McCoy and Darwin Thompson. Those guys are flex options, and I am talking at best. I'm a little more optimistic if Damian Williams plays because I think the Chiefs are going to realize we need Damian Williams. He was the key to unlocking – well, uh, he was the reason the Kareem Hunt loss didn't hurt them as much last year because he just gave them that two-way kind of ability. They have not gotten that from McCoy or Darwin Thompson. I think I saw more out of Darwin Thompson than I did out of McCoy, which is why I I prefer him. But I really, if Damian Williams does not play, I want to stay away from this backfield entirely. And then there's really two more guys to talk about. It's it's, uh, Tyreek Hill and it's Travis Kelsey, both of whom are definitely in your lineups. I don't trust Sammy Watkins. Sammy Watkins didn't get it done last week when you knew the Patriots were going to scheme to take Tyreek Hill out of the game. Sammy Watkins has not topped 10 fantasy points since week number nine. He's topped 10 fantasy points in just one of his last eight games. You can't trust him. It's Tyreek Hill, Mahomes, and Travis Kelsey, and then maybe Damian Williams if he plays. Up next, we've got the Dolphins at the Giants. I mean, pretty clearly, Jason Sanders is a league winner, and everybody (laughs) needs to have him as their flex kicker. Yeah, how about this? Uh, He kicks, what, seven field goals against the Jets last week, and he scored a touchdown the week before. How many times (laughs) have we seen that? Um, This is actually a sneaky fantasy game here. The total is 48. It's the fourth highest line game on the board right now. And I think what what people see is two defenses that can't stop anybody. The question I have is Ryan Fitzpatrick. Unfortunately for me, I thought last week against the Jets was a great streaming spot. 
he lost Devontae Parker early in the game to a concussion. So is Devontae Parker going to play? Um, Isaiah Ford came in and did a solid job. Uh, Alan Hearns did an all right job. Uh, unfortunately, Albert Wilson also left for the concussion protocol. So to break down this Dolphins pass offense, we really need updates on those two receivers. Really, the only guy I feel good about is Devontae Parker if he plays. I think you could take a shot on Allen Hearns if Devontae Parker doesn't play. Uh, that would be the guy I would go with against this giant uh, secondary. But right now, I think the guy who's going to benefit a lot is Patrick Laird, uh, the young running back out of Cal, the undrafted rookie, who I know we brought him up a couple weeks ago when I thought he earned more snaps because Kalen Balaj was so bad. Well, now with Balaj on IR... Laird played over 80% of the snaps last week against the Jets, and he's caught eight of his 10 targets for 81 yards in the last two games against the Jets in Philadelphia. I think this guy is a solid RB2 in PPR. Um, I don't trust him as much in non-PPR because he hasn't been getting it done as a runner. Uh, he's averaging just uh, 2.7 yards per carry on the, on the year, but in PPR, 9.2 yards per reception. He's caught 16 of his, of his 19 targets this season. I think Patrick Laird would be the biggest beneficiary if uh, Devontae Parker and or Albert Wilson cannot play in this game. It is always amazing to me when we get to this point in the year and it's playoff semifinals for a lot of people. And, you know, we're talking about Patrick Laird, who I had never heard of when the season started. I say like, it every week in August. I say, you know, we can do all the preseason analysis we want. But it is an utter 1 billion percent guarantee you are going to be talking about guys who, who are going to be in your playoff lineups that not that not that you haven't considered, but that you've never heard of. I mean, I won a championship last year. Elijah McGuire was in my lineup. You know, Deshaun Hamilton was in my lineup. But guys that you wouldn't have even dreamed about at the beginning of the season. It happens every year. That is, it's a stone cold fact. Uh, outside of guys regressing from record-setting years, this is a, this is an even bigger certainty than that. We knew Patrick Mahomes wasn't going to throw 50 touchdowns again. A bigger certainty is this time in 2020, we're going to be talking about the next Patrick Laird, another guy you never freaking heard of, who is going to be winning you fantasy championships. That's just the way it goes in fantasy football. Well, and to, to that point, um, Joe, I would I would build upon that and I would say, you know, last night I'm on the sideline of the Eagles and the Giants. Oh, and as you know, one. I did the Eagles preseason games on television. And I said to people during the preseason games, I said, look, there is one of these guys out here for the Eagles right now in the second or third quarter of this preseason game is going to make an important play for this team at some point in December. Guess what, Joe? It was all of them. It was Greg Ward, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, Josh Perkins, Boston Scott. It was like the guys that played two and a half, three quarters of those preseason games that the starters don't play at all. That was the crew on the field for the Eagles last night in a critical December mm -hmm. division Monday night football game. Other than Zach Ertz and Wentz, it was the preseason crew. So it just remember that next year when I say it on TV and people are like, oh, yeah, whatever, Ross. You just want us to watch. Well, yeah, I want you to watch, but also it's true. I knew at least one guy would have to make a play. I didn't know Ortega Whiteside, Perkins, Ward, and Boston Scott would all be making plays in the same game. 
And it's it, it, this is why these guys, uh, and I think it's why that the coaches are really hesitant to let to want to cut down from the four preseason games, which we, we know that's an inevitability, Ross. Like, right? I mean, it, it's there's not going to be four preseason games in the near future. Um, but they I, those guys got game experience, and it probably helped out. And we'll talk about the Eagles when we get to them. But it's just the point where. Yeah, uh, the next year there's there's going to be some you know Sammy Sammy Mick average guy who's going to be in the backfield for the Houston Texans in 2020 and uh, I don't know about this guy and then all of a sudden you realize he's getting 18 touches a game. It happens every single year and Patrick Laird is is a guy who I am looking to start this week because his matchup is so good against the Giants. And he doesn't really fall into this category, uh, I guess, but Darius Slayton. And, Joe, I have no idea why. They, I, I don't think they threw him the ball one time in the second half. I, I don't know uh, what they were thinking. I would have thrown at least three deep balls to Darius Slayton in the second half if I were the Giants last night. Well, the Eagles uh, are, are incredibly unique in their complete inability or their overwhelming ability to blow a coverage every single week. It's I mean, how about the one where they, it looked like they double-teamed Slayton and neither Darby nor uh, uh, McLeod ran with him? Um, this, guy is, this guy's got some serious juice. Um, and and uh, Howie Roseman was getting dunked on, rightfully so, on Twitter last night, including by yours truly, because he took Clayton Thorson five picks before the Giants took uh, the guy who nearly ended well, – well, not ended the Eagles season because the NFC East is so bad, but nearly handed them one of the most embarrassing losses in a season full of them. Um, but Darius Slayton, you got to have him in your lineup against Miami. Terrible, terrible uh, Miami defense. This is a this is not this is a very bad defense. Just gave up over a hundred yards to Alshon Jeffrey and Robbie Anderson in back to back weeks. Nobody would confuse them for Julio Jones. So uh, yeah, I think Darius Slayton's in your lineup. I like Shepard. I like Golden Tate. Uh, we'll see about Evan Ingram. And you got, if somehow, some way, you are still alive at this point with Saquon Barkley, I know many, many people who drafted Saquon Barkley are out of it already. You have to play him against Miami. You just have to. I, I, it was, it was tough sledding and a tough matchup against the Eagles last night. You have to play him against Miami. And, and I'll be frank, if Evan Ingram plays. I don't think it's a bad spot to stream Eli Manning. Now, for one half, he looked really good against the Eagles, and then the Eagles managed to hold them to under 30 yards in uh, the second half. But Miami's defense is not good at all. It's not the worst spot if you're dying. For instance, I would rather play Eli Manning um, in this spot than Drew Locke if uh, Noah Fant doesn't play. So, that, that, that sh- I mean, that's on the lower end of quarterback options. Those are in the 20s of 32 quarterbacks this week. But just to, to give you an example of why I don't think it's a dead spot for Eli, presuming Daniel Jones doesn't play, of course. Then you get to uh, the Eagles, aforementioned Eagles and the Redskins. Sounds like Alshon Jeffrey's out for a while. Sounds like Lane Johnson's out for this week. Uh, what are you doing with Miles Sanders, Boston Scott? Uh, I don't. I don't know. If there's a receiver you can even think about. Uh, I don't know if there is one you can think about. Now it's a terrible secondary, um, but I'm not playing any of these receivers. I'll, I mean, obviously you're playing Zach Ertz. I mean, you play Ertz every week, and and I think you can take a shot on Goddard, who's been kind of a disappointment for the Eagles this year. Even though he made the big play, I think the Giants blew the coverage on that play uh, late in the fourth quarter against the Eagles. Um, 
I'm, I don't trust Wentz either, and, and this is nothing, you know, against Wentz personally, but, I mean, this Eagle offense is like pulling teeth. You watch that, and, and Ross, I mean, we can we can write our, our separate football narratives from our fantasy narratives. I, I think Carson Wentz needed that game last night. He needed it, and I thought he was brilliant in the second half in overtime, but you're still looking at a stat line where, yeah, he threw for 300 plus and two touchdowns, but he averaged 50 pass attempts. They don't have anybody who can get downfield. They don't. I mean, uh, the, the, I think the longest pass play in the air for the Eagles was like the one to Goddard where the giants completely blew the coverage. And then he had the couple to Ertz, uh, the one where Ertz like bizarrely tried to cut it up field. It was, uh, I mean, this Eagle offense is painful to watch at this point. And the game is lined right now at 40 and a half points it is the tied for the second lowest line game of the week. So I think the markets are understanding not only do the Eagles not have a whole lot offensively, the Redskins have been really ugly in things up the last couple weeks. You know, they nearly pulled one out against Aaron Rodgers and the boys last week. So in Landover, who knows what the weather's gonna be like? It was abominable in Philly last night, but it's in it's in Washington for this one. Um, I think the markets are expecting this game to be uglied up. So it's Ertz for me. Maybe Goddard, uh, and we have to. When it when it comes to Sanders and Scott, we also have to see um, what the status on Jordan Howard is. He's been questionable for like eight straight weeks now with that stinger. He hasn't been cleared for contact yet. So it, it's really a, a situation where we've got to take a look, see, because I think the Eagles will run the ball a lot if Jordan Howard's back. Um, I, I I find it hard to say I'm going to trust Boston Scott, but there was one thing he did that very few Eagles have had this year. Rossi can run and, and and that that is a really important thing he gave them probably what they expected Darren Sproles would give them this year that was an important game for him I thought he played really well Wentz is trusting these guys they're taking advantage of their opportunities but for fantasy not a whole lot I want to trust this week against uh, 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 against a, a Washington team that's really started to ugly things up defensively Darius Geis is out for the game we already know that Joe, what does it mean for the Redskins other than Terry McLaurin, who's unbelievable? Well, Terry McLaurin, I, I think you look to the fact that his coming out party was in week one against Philadelphia. Now, that was with uh, Case Keenum at quarterback. But after we saw what Darius Slayton did last night with Eli Manning and you saw what Devontae Parker did and you saw what all of these guys have been doing all year, I think you start Terry McLaurin in this game, whether or not you believe in, in Dwayne Haskins. I think the upside's too high. The problem is I think it's a terrible matchup for Adrian Peterson on the ground. The only other Redskin I consider outside of McLaurin is maybe Chris Thompson, uh, who's the receiving back who who led the backfield in snaps but uh i think it's mclaren or bust for me this week next game is seahawks at the panthers rashad penny torn acl he's done for the year oh, what a bummer i i mean we had him ranked in our top 25 over at fantasyfreeagents.com because it really looked like they had a nice balance of what they were doing um, between carson and penny but now it's back to the chris carson show and uh, you want to talk dfs Chris Carson's going to be one of the two or three highest owned running backs, if not the number one this week. Carolina has been an absolute sieve against running backs. Uh, I, I said last week on the show, if, if, if Devontae Freeman didn't get it done that week, I didn't know when he was going to get it done. Lo and behold, he scores his first rushing touchdown of the season. Carolina looks like a team that has quit. Seattle's defense, I want to go get it. Um, I want to pick up this defense. These weeks, 
we need all the fantasy production we can get. You want to get three or four extra points wherever you can get it, and you can get it from your defense. I love Seattle's defense against Kyle Allen this week. I like uh, Metcalf. Um, Tyler Lockett's been really hurting us, and so is Russell Wilson, quite frankly. But I do like all of those guys. Russell Wilson has a mid-to-low-end quarterback one. I like Lockett as a wide receiver three and Metcalf as a wide receiver three. And and I it is a slam, slam dunk RB1 spot for Chris Carson this week. I'm going to rank him in our top five. Uh, and you can also consider Jacob Hollister at, at, uh, at, tight, at tight end. He had a touchdown nullified by penalty last week. Um, what about the Panthers on the other side when they have the ball? Christian McCaffrey, I mean, I know you're playing him, but he's had two back-to-back not great weeks. Yeah, I think Kyle Allen's part of the, part of the story there. I mean, you have to suck it up with McCaffrey and play him. There's nothing else you can do. I mean, he does get a ton of targets, so at least there's that. Uh, both DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel got open deep for potential touchdowns. Allen missed them last week. So at least they were getting open, but Moore, I, I, you have to play Moore. You have to. Um, he's a wide receiver, too, at this point. His, his, his upside's too high. His floor has been pretty high. Samuel's more of the wide receiver four, where you play him and you just pray. Um, uh, the Seahawks, I think, uh, their secondary is not very good, but Kyle Allen is not Jared Goff, and 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 I think that's that's been proven over and over again. The one other guy who I think you can look at here, take a uh, take a look at the tight end position because Greg Olson did not play last week with the concussion. Ian Thomas had five catches on ten targets, scored a touchdown. If Greg Olson doesn't play, Ian Thomas is is worth uh, considering. If Greg Olson does play, then Greg Olson's worth considering. Look at what uh, the Rams did with Tyler Higbee against the Seahawks last week. Let's get to the last game here in part one, Joe. It's the Bears. The Bears suddenly are pretty good, and the Bears suddenly have a a decent offense against the Green Bay Packers. Uh, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I know nobody's going to trust him, and I don't blame you if you don't trust him. But Mitchell Trubisky is streamable this week. Over the last five weeks, all right, over the last five weeks, where do you think Mitchell Trubisky, Ross, ranks in fantasy points at the quarterback position? Mm, Maybe eight or nine? He's fifth. Wow. Fifth. And this is so last year, this was actually the Trubisky we got last year. Um, no, I don't think anybody would say he had a great year last year, but he was he was running a little bit. He was getting it done for fantasy, even with with mediocre play. And I see a guy who's playing with a lot more confidence right now. And I have no idea where that's come um, come from. I mean, maybe he heard the criticisms. He for sure he heard the criticisms, but he's thrown three or more touchdowns in three of his last five games. He's added a rushing touchdown in two of his last three games. His not only did he top 50 rush yards against the Cowboys, he had 63 on Thursday night, last Thursday night. It was his first game of over 20 rushing yards on the season. I don't know why that hasn't been more of an element of Trubisky's game. These guys who are seeing ghosts, who aren't throwing the ball well from the pocket, move the pocket a little bit more. Give them an option to get outside. You know, we've been asking uh, Philadelphia to do that with Carson Wentz. Move the pocket. Why aren't Why aren't the Bears doing it more with Mitchell Trubisky? It seems like they've unlocked something. And the Packers' defense has not been great. I am totally fine with Mitchell Trubisky as a DFS quarterback. If you need a streamer this week, you don't like the matchup that your typical starter has, whatever, I am fine going with Trubisky this week. Allen Robinson, he scored in three straight games. He has 21 fantasy points in each of those games. You start Allen Robinson. Anthony Miller 
had just four targets last week. But he found the end zone. He scored. He has 11-plus fantasy points in four straight games. I think you can use Anthony Miller this week. He did go catchless in week one against the Packers, to be fair. But that is way in the past. That's that game where the Bears used Mike Davis a whole lot, just to illustrate uh, where they are. Um, David Montgomery has 173 scrimmage yards in the last two weeks. Uh, unfortunately, he hasn't scored a rushing touchdown uh, over that span, but I think he's playable as an RB2. And I think Tariq Cohen, who has caught at least four passes in five straight games, um, unfortunately doesn't have a whole lot of yards. So I think you can play him in a PPR. So all of a sudden, the Bears actually have like five guys against a Packer defense that's been kind of fraudulent this year. They have five guys I think you could consider for fantasy. I don't love any of them except for Robinson, but I can see all five of those guys sneaking into your lineup if you have some questions about uh, other guys on your roster. Um, on the other side, what about the Packers and Aaron Rodgers? Not, I mean, Aaron Jones had a nice day, but that was about it. Yeah, Aaron Jones, uh, you have to play him. You have to suck it up and play him. I know like he had two disaster games prior to week 14, but the upside's too high, and they figured out, we need to use this guy in the passing game because, honestly, I think he's their second-best receiver. Um, I think week 13 was an anomaly uh, where we saw Alan Lazard break out of, of that uh, – that slump where the Packers outside of Devontae Adams haven't had a, a receiver top 10 fantasy points. Well, that's now happened in just in one of the last seven weeks as a receiver not named Devontae Adams, top 10 fantasy points for the Packers. So it's Aaron Jones, Aaron Rodgers, and Devontae Adams. But Adams, I mean, even he, it's been kind of like, it's been kind of like pulling teeth here. Um, it, it's not pretty for Devontae Adams. Uh, he was under 10 fantasy points in a juicy matchup against Washington last week. Um, the Bears have yet to give up 20 fantasy points to a single quarterback this year. So it's not a great matchup for Rodgers either. I think Rodgers is a low-end quarterback one, um, maybe even in the quarterback two range. I think Aaron Jones, you have to play him. And I think Devontae Adams is a mid-range wide receiver too. If you're taking another shot on somebody, it's going to be Jimmy Graham because the Bears gave up 11 catches to Cowboy tight ends last week. And Jimmy Graham did score against them uh, earlier in week one. And without Roquan Smith, who tore his peck, the matchup for, uh, I think, both the running backs and the tight ends becomes a little bit easier for the Packers. Excellent work, Joe. That was awesome. I am ready for part number two. You know what else I'm ready for? I'm ready for anything that has to do with Underwear on or underwear off, thanks to Manscaped. The best in men's below-the-belt grooming, Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. I think I've told you the story before. Before I heard about Manscaped, I would use those little scissors that, I don't know, I think they're maybe meant for nose hair. I'm not even sure what they're meant for. But I would use those to trim my boys. Had a couple bad incidents. Don't really feel like about talking about it other than to say it hurt. And there was more blood than I would thought that there would be. Which is why I got into Manscaped with the Lawnmower 2.0. It has the skin safe technology. It is the best for manscaping. They also have Crop Preserver. If you're putting deodorant on underneath your armpits, you should be putting Crop Preserver on underneath your underwear. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code FEAST at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping 
at manscaped.com. Remember to use that code FEAST. Clean up your you-know-whats and make Santa proud this year. Manscaped.com. Use code FEAST. Part two coming at you in your podcast app after midnight. Check out the college draft in my power rankings Tuesday on the Ross Tucker Football Podcast as well. I'm stuffed, but room for dessert. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and the College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.